0: My name is Hilary Robertson. Welcome to the latest episode of Harmonious World. And for this episode, I am really delighted to be joined by pianist Paul Edis, who I heard at the Cadogan Hall at the start of November. And I'm now talking to him about the album excerpts from which he played at the Cadogan Hall. And his album's called The Still Point of the Turning World. And the front cover of it is simply beautiful. As a pianist, composer and educator, Paul is really up there among the greats. He works regularly with lots of other musicians, including Joe Harrop, who I interviewed a few weeks ago. But he's also played with lots and lots of British jazz greats, including Jim Mullen, Tim Garland, Julian Siegel, Tony Coffey, and actually old friends of mine, Steve Waterman, Ian Ballamy, and Mark Nightingale. He is really one of the leading lights of contemporary jazz, as London Jazz News put it so eloquently. I'm looking forward to interviewing Paul. He really is a fabulous pianist, and I hope you enjoy listening to our conversation. Welcome to Harmonious World. I'm delighted to be joined this time by pianist Paul Edis. Hi, Paul. Hello.
1: It's a pleasure uh, to be here.
0: Yeah, it's great to uh, to meet you again, and as I was as we were talking about before i enjoyed the Cadogan hall gig which was i think it was the album launch wasn't it officially
1: it was well it was it was kind of four album launches in one evening in fact it was it was there was a lot going on that evening and and tons of amazing music um so yeah it's it's great to hear that people enjoyed it basically <laughs>
0: yeah and of course you were doubling up weren't you because it was it was not only your solo album but also your the album you'd worked on with joe harrop
1: yes i had i had different hats on that evening so I I sort of started the concert with my solo piano um uh, set and then went around the back to the dressing rooms and then came back out to to help with Joe's set playing piano for that so it was yeah a lot like I say a lot going on but it was great fun actually and and to see the the downstairs I think all the downstairs was sold out at Cadogan so it was really good atmosphere
0: yeah and it was it really was it was one of our first Kind of it felt like a real proper gig for the first time for a lot of us. So yeah. It yeah, was good. Well, let's hope that we can keep a lid on this horrible virus now and, and uh, you know do more of that.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: So tell me about this album. How did it come about?
1: This is my first album with the lateralized label. In fact, it's it's my first album with a label, um, really, because everything I'd done previous to this um was sort of self-release, um, which you know anyone who's been through that process is will know it's it's an awful lot of work and often you feel like you're fighting an uphill battle so um there was that side of it just just having the support of a label and and such a um great label as well it's really really keen on producing new original music and you know high artistic aims and, and everything else um so in that respect it, it does feel like starting again but also I moved to London in March, 2020 um, and yeah, I know it was great. (laughs) Um, But this, this album is the first thing I've done since, since moving South, since leaving the Northeast of England and and sort of relocating. So again, it, it it all feels something like, like a reset, I suppose. And, and the process of, of having moved and, and the fact that we were then locked down meant I kind of did more practice than I've ever done before. I I wrote, new music I did I did all sorts of things I think basically to distract myself from the fact that nothing was happening um so in in a way again it it felt like a like a new start in that that sense too that my playing's kind of gone up a notch and um what I'm trying to achieve as well
0: yes and and obviously we met several years ago it was about seven years ago I think and when you were kind of a young you know starting out really and and there's a there is a there is a real maturity I think to your style now and that that opening set you did at Cadogan Hall was beautiful and I love that love this album it's really uh yeah there's something there's something classical about it you know the, the the compositions are are beautiful um and your style is uh is is stunning it's really good
1: Oh, it's very kind. I mean, a few people have mentioned the classical thing, which is interesting, because um, I've always felt like I don't really fit into that or jazz. So I, I seem to be splitting, splitting down the middle somehow. <laughs> but um, or, or sometimes I get sort of um, described as straight ahead or or something. But I, 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 yeah, with this solo album, there's definitely a kind of um, a different freedom there. I think to when I'm playing, for example, with, the, with my trio or sextet, um, and and yeah, in terms of the maturity, I. It, the, the, the album itself has been an interesting process for me, um, particularly the, sort of realizing in the recording, literally on the day of the recording, this this feeling of I'm not doing any of this necessarily for anyone else or to, I don't, I don't feel any sense of I should do this and maybe I ought to do that, which, um, which is how I used to feel a lot more of that sort of baggage when I was, I think when I've done albums in the past. Um, not that I kind of regret that. I think it's a process you go through before maybe you finally go, actually, I'm going to do what I want to do, and hopefully people will like it. Um,
0: yeah, yes, and... that, that <laughs> definitely comes across. In fact, I think that came across when you were playing because it was almost as if you were not not... I don't mean that you were disregarding the audience, but you were playing what you wanted to play, and at the end of each track, when people applauded at the end of each tune, it felt almost as if you were going, oh, oh, thank you. I'm glad you liked it, but I'm going <laughs> to carry on, you know. <laughs> do you yeah, know maybe. what I mean? No, yeah. I do.
1: I mean, it, it's a funny thing because it sounds a bit like you're saying, I don't care about my audience. And it, it, it's not that. It's just that um, uh, as as a sort of creative musician, you can have so much like I say baggage going on about maybe I ought to do this may, you know and, and to the extent that when I did my some of my albums in the past it was that feeling of I should probably put in a thing a bit like that because that can demonstrate that I can do this and whereas I think maybe just maturity maybe circumstance this time around it was just kind of like now nah, I'm just gonna do I'm gonna do these tunes because this is what I want to do um, and when I when I perform so live like that Cadogan gig um, I play most of the time i play with my eyes closed and i just kind of get into a zone so there is genuinely a sense quite often that when i finish my song or my piece that i kind of open my eyes and go oh there's an audience i forgot about (laughs) you there because i was just in my in my zone um uh, so it's yeah it's it's almost like we turn the lights back on when i finish the tune and 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 see everyone sat there watching and hopefully yes
0: Yes, and that doesn't come across as arrogance, or you know, as I say, it doesn't come across as you're disregarding the audience. It comes across as if you are giving the audience a hundred percent of you as a pianist.
1: Uh, well, yes, yeah, I'd like to think, I'd like to think so. It's, it's always tough to know if you can give a hundred percent because it's this battle between, um, yeah, like hence closing the eyes, trying to stay in the moment, stay in the music, and not let your mind wander onto something completely superfluous or start worrying about for example on a gig like that start thinking oh I need to make sure I'm back downstairs for this and need to get that music you know those kind of mundane things can creep in as well so yeah. um it's a very it's a it's a high wire kind of balancing act especially solo piano because I think the solo thing in one respect is brilliant because you don't have to worry about anyone else no but then occasionally you have that really you know that moment of Oh, there's no one else to rely on. I just need to. <laughs> there's, there's no one to bail me out here if anything goes wrong. There's, there's no. You don't have that support from, from you know, say a, a bass player and a drummer there. Just occasionally, if you lapse in concentration, so it, it, it is a kind of a special thing doing a solo, solo performance. Um, yeah, so, but I do enjoy it.
0: Yeah, clearly, clearly. So tell me about the recording process. How did that happen?
1: Well, we um. I started chatting to the label in about January of this year, uh, so 2021, um, about it. And very quickly, we got to the idea of, of doing something, basically, and, and doing this solo album. I managed to find, um, based on recommendations, you know, sort of asked various piano players, what, what's the best place to go in, in town, sort of thing. Uh, the studio, Master Chord Studio in North London, which has an amazing Steinway D um, piano. So it's it's sort of one of the best you can get. And it's a nice one of those as well, because it's been really looked after. Um, and we went in the, I think it was the February half term, went in and, and recorded in a day, recorded loads of stuff. Um, and it, it, interestingly, I, I, like I said earlier, there was a slight sense of as the day progressed, feel, feeling out what this album was. So I had various concepts in mind and I took along a few extra things. And some of the extra things ended up supplanting the original ideas. Um, <laughs> Which is which is just sometimes how it goes. I think you know you, you you can have these really clear ideas and then you get in the moment in the studio in the acoustic or whatever it is and, and it it all starts to make more sense, um, especially because that piano itself and and I suppose the overall sound of the album. The producer Adam Sinclair, who I've worked with a lot over the years, he he had this thing of aim try and play very quietly and you know get this overall sound that trying to imagine it from the point of view of someone being sat at home and and it's almost like you're in their living room um when they're playing and 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 actually the way it was recorded as well you know we made sure that um well I I didn't I don't really understand half this stuff but the the aim was to get the mics really close into the piano so it's almost like you are literally in the room with the piano rather than you know in a concert hall in in row z kind of thing
0: yeah and and that 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 definitely does come across because sometimes you listen to albums that have been recorded at live, you know, especially solo piano pieces where they've been recorded at live, you know, in massive halls. You can hear that, whereas this, it does sound very personal, personal from you to me, the listener.
1: Yeah, well, that, that's, that's the intention. It's always, I mean, music is about communication. Um, it's about trying to yeah trying to have a nice chat with whoever yeah. it is who's on the other end through through music i suppose or, or yeah a conversation with them i know they can't participate in a sense but it but the, there's something about the way the silence works and um and everything else that they they're part of that um even even on a recording i think um yeah a bit philosophical that isn't it so. i know
0: it's very deep <laughs> that comes across and I hope that you can retain that as you become more experienced and more, you know, you'll obviously be playing more and, and that sort of thing. And I hope that intimacy, that musical intimacy really sort of stays because it feels like you've got that in spades.
1: Oh, brilliant. Yeah, no. Well, thank you. And, and I think some of that as well is about having a bit of courage, um, courage of conviction. So, for example, the first track on the album, um, dig Deep, which is what I actually played to open the whole of that, that gig at Cadogan. Um, that, in some respects, is is quite an intimidating thing to play because it's so spacious and there's this. It, it's and it's so kind of. I mean, it's kind of hopeful, but incredibly sad at the same time. You know, people keep telling me it makes them cry. <laughs> yeah. So, so when it came to that gig, the Cadogan thing, I I thought maybe I should start with something a bit more, you know, a bit more upbeat, get the audience in a good mood. But then I thought, no, the whole point of this is I'm bringing them into this this kind of really quiet world, this this very um, sense of stillness and emotion yeah. and everything else, not necessarily, which again, yeah, it, it just goes against your natural thing of you know the first numbers normally supposed to be something a bit loud and upbeat you know good you know fast tempo that kind of thing so it was yeah something about that as well I think about courage of convictions
0: yeah yeah um now obviously I know a bit about your background but my audience probably doesn't so can you tell me a bit about how you how you got to where you are today
1: sure um well so I've sort of told you about moving moving down from the northeast uh, from was in, yeah, in March twenty twenty as I say perfect timing but it had it had its benefits in a sense, um but so before that for about since two thousand and three um sorry two thousand and six I'd been based in the northeast, um again uh, where because that's that's actually where I'm from I mean I sometimes northerners tell me I sound like a southerner but southerners tend to say I sound like a northerner so yes that is where I'm from originally from from a place called Chesley Street, uh, near Durham, um so I was based up there I did various gigs and um i actually set up concert series and and did education work all sorts of stuff whilst kind of keeping the the performance side going as well and releasing albums on my own um and then yeah in, in kind of the last two or three years before moving i kind of started to feel that slightly itchy feet feeling and, and just just wanting to be uh where it felt like the party was happening i guess you know it was, it was this feeling with london there's so much going on um yeah just just to be around it, you, you kind of get sucked into loads more things, and and actually that is what's happened. You know, I feel like loads of things have happened despite there being a pandemic. Um, and it's just nice to get a change of scene, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and the, the irony is that I did actually study in London when I was eighteen, so two thousand three to two thousand six. I was based in London and then then moved back to the northeast. And and then I was kind of following this. So I, I when I studied in London, I was doing composition, uh, and straight classical composition as well. And and similarly, then I went and did an MA and a PhD at York University, which was kind of much more contemporary classical music. It was was the kind of angle, but all the while, like this kind of jazz things going on, you know, I was doing gigs, arranging things for the big band and they felt like kind of separate worlds, I think at that stage. And I was almost encouraged to keep it that way just because, um, just, just for getting through some of those qualifications, I suppose, but at some point, thankfully, I think they've started to meld and, and it's just what I do, you know, with these kind of diverse influences of, of different traditions um, without, like I say, without um, ruining either of them, hopefully. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. But there is, there is a, a clear technical, classical background behind what you're doing i mean maybe maybe that's the musician in me hearing that i don't know you know but but there there is definitely something classical in its nature behind what you're behind the improvisation
1: yeah i, I i'm i'm okay with that yeah i do think in a, i i do bring i suppose certain compositional classical or western classical compositional approaches to the way I approach jazz, but I think some of that's in there as well. Sometimes we just don't realise it is. You know, there's certain rhetorical devices, for example, like the rule of three. Exactly. Which, yeah. Which you get in Dexter Gordon solos, which you can, yeah. you know, you can you can liken that to Beethoven piano sonatas and things. All sorts of weird things like that. Um, yeah. But also in in a in a uh, in the sense of I, I like things to be quite um, neat, I suppose, which is a classical tradition isn't it you know the idea of um not wasting any notes kind of keeping everything um and i and i like melody as well which again is often i think is one of those things jazz musicians it feels like sometimes steer away from for, for harmony and rhythm which are obviously big things as well but melody i you know i I've, i think i've always felt like i'm in that naturally drawn towards melodies and, and writing melodies and and loving people like gershwin and you know that American songbook writers um, for their simplicity, um, but elegance of their melodic writing.
0: Yes, and I noticed at Cadogan Hall that there were some some of the pieces. You know, you'd you'd get a a melody, and then you'd catch a glimpse of it through the middle, and then you'd get another one, and then it would come back at the end. And so it did feel like a you know it was there was there was a real uh, melodic composition. Going on, I think that might be where the classical thing is coming from. As you say, very Gershwin, Debussy, that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and also yeah. it's it's just interesting. I think there's there's all sorts of overlaps. You know, like Gershwin, Cole Porter, all of those kind of that that tradition. They they were all they'd all studied the classical thing as well. So with like that, that's a possibly another way in that that that's rubbed off on me a little bit, just about yes. form and the way things are structured and yeah so so.
0: yes yeah right so the still point of the turning world where is the best place for people to get hold of it to listen to it as far as you're concerned because obviously we want to put money in your pocket so that you can get out and perform you know and do more so
1: well i mean you can always get copies assuming i remember them on gigs Um, yes so uh, yeah i've I've got gigs coming up in, in newcastle and down um down here in london um so yeah, come and come and find me on a gig, uh, and that that means that I'm, that's sort of killing two birds with one stone. Then you get to hear it live. <laughs> yes. Um, but um, otherwise, there's a Bandcamp, there's a, a Bandcamp page that I have that has um the album on, and there's now um well soon certainly there'll be vinyl available as well, um right. so you can get vinyl, CD, um, download of Bandcamp. It's on Spotify. It's it's kind of everywhere. It's we're relying on. Um, the audience to to find it where they like to listen to it, um, right? Bandcamp yeah. in general is is the best for artists nowadays.
0: Definitely, definitely. I try and point my audiences to that where possible because it does seem to be. And they 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 were doing brilliant things in um, lockdown in terms of helping, uh, you know, money get into the pockets of musicians. So that's really good. Yeah, yeah, very good. OK, well, I will I will point everyone in the direction of uh, Bandcamp and, and your own website so that people can uh, find out where you where you're going to be in the new year. So hopefully cool. people will be able to go and listen to you.
1: Yeah, well, I do hope to see some people at my gigs.
0: <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Great. Stuff. Well, thank you so much, Paul. I really appreciate your time.
1: Oh, thanks. For, thanks for having me.
0: I hope you enjoyed listening to my conversation with Paul. In the show notes, you will find links to his own website and to Bandcamp, which is always a good place to find the artists that I've interviewed. Most of them have got a Bandcamp presence. At the start of this podcast, you were listening to dig deep which is indeed what paul started his concert at the cadogan hall with now i'm playing start over which is another track on the still point of the turning world please do like and share rate and review wherever you get your podcasts wherever you're listening to me thank you so much for joining me once more on harmonious world and remember to share what you're good at to make this world a little more harmonious